Welcome to episode 40 of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. Uh, I'm Brent Hershey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Blessing. This week, we're going to uh, discuss the Baseball HQ midseason top 50 prospect list, which came out this week. And I think we'll also dive into some of the trade deadline deals, which we uh, started on the last episode, kind of in the middle of the uh, about a full day before the deadline, and there were plenty of trades after we uh, signed off. Uh, so we will look into those. But first, how are you, Chris? Doing well. I'm excited to get through uh, get through with some of these trades. I mean, we we did talk about a few of them, but then yeah. everything kind of just uh, uh, went crazy on that last day. Um, I know that when else. I sent this to uh, the podcast to move on, move forward and out to the public. Uh, there was trade after trade going on, uh, including the big Juan Soto deal. So, um, yeah. and, and all of that commotion, I wasn't even able to get out in the, out to the field this week. So, um, uh, I know that, uh, you weren't able to either. So, uh, Brent, other than that, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, but yes, that's the same, same thing with all of what was going on with the, uh, with the deadline, I wasn't able to get out either, but we're pivoting. Um, hopefully, uh, something that will be, uh, yeah, that will be useful for listeners. Um, start off by, you know, last week we did the, our annual baseball HQ midseason top 50 list, which dropped for our subscribers. Um, and, you know, just for those, uh, just a, just a quick explanation. You know, it, we we handle it similar to our off-season HQ 100. Um, obviously, the top 50, we're just looking at the uh, about about half as many players, um, and that means that we have uh, this time we had eight eight uh, writers uh, and contributors to the baseball HQ minors team that each submitted a top 50 list, um, and then we compiled those uh, into one. Into one master list, and that's what uh, what went up on the site. I think on Tuesday. The one thing that's different about this list is because it's geared towards uh, fantasy leagues. Is that we are thinking in terms of what players uh, would be available to uh, the most amount of uh, folks that are in leagues. Um, so our eligibility is a little bit different for the midseason list. Um, if a player has appeared in the minor league in a major league game so far this season, even if they've been sent back down, um, we kind of make them ineligible just for this midseason update. Again, the idea being that you know, most likely uh, in in these deeper leagues, when a player like that has come up, someone snatched him up, and and uh, you know he's not he could not be be available anymore. The other uh, tweak is that because of just the lack of information and kind of uh, looks that both we and, and our contacts have. We don't really include any players from this most recent international class um, in, from in January or from the 2022 MLB draft. It just happened uh, last month now. Um, so that's, that calls the list down a little bit and makes it 
um, a bit different than the HQ 100, um, as well as being, like I said, kind of down to half of its size. Um, as I look, uh, I'm not going to go too in depth here, but I thought one interesting thing is that I looked down this uh, list of our of our midseason top 50, and uh, noticed that um, it looks like seven of the top 10 players on here are players that we have discussed this year uh, on the Eyes Have It podcast, um, which I think is is helpful. And and uh, Chris, who set this list yeah. up. Uh, you know, provided the links there for our subscribers to go back and catch that those different uh, episodes. So I think uh, for the most part, we've done a pretty good job. I think Chris and sort of uh, you know, given given listeners a good view of of some of these uh, at least out of this top ten or so yeah. uh, new prospects. Well, I mean, if we look at the top ten specifically, the three guys we haven't covered. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez is a guy that we've covered on this podcast last season, uh, yeah, and he great. hasn't pitched that much. So, uh, you know, we're he, us not covering him is is okay in my book. Uh, Robert Hassel the third is a guy that we covered last season. I think I covered in the article. Not quite sure if it was an article yeah, or in a podcast. Right. But I'll be honest, really, the projection remains the same. We haven't really seen that uptake in uh, power right now yet. I think that mm-hmm. it will eventually come. I still think it's only going to be like average power. And then the other guy was Jordan uh, Lawler, shortstop Arizona, which we had ranked third. And yeah. Lawler, you know, it, it didn't quite get into any of our coverage areas this year. And then secondly, also, uh, you know, coming off the draft last year, I think a lot of people already know who he is i think that if there was anything that we really could have added to this was that like um you know i I was i more i I was more of the thinking that lawler was uh higher floor than the other guys drafted the shortstops like marcelo Mm -hmm. meyer and um uh, brady house and also the uh khalil watson who you know kind of dropped off this list pretty 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 severely. Uh, And I think that shows, I think that the upside talents a little more than maybe, maybe I believed it. And I, you know, I did have him ranked uh, fairly high in my individual list as well in the top five. Uh, So, you know, I I guess that might be a good guy to maybe focus on for a future episode or a future article to really kind of just look at Jordan and see, uh, you know, what's making him that top 10 product. Uh, you know, yeah. just looking down the list, was there any, like, um, let's say a name that just popped out at you, like, oh, hey, you know, here's this guy. I'm not saying, like, maybe the best riser or that faller. We'll get to that in a minute. But, like, yeah. that one guy that popped for you uh, on this list. Um, I think that, uh, actually, I mean, I think for me that it when I went in to do my uh, list that Lawler was actually one that did pop for me because I um, had, I guess I hadn't been fully aware of kind of how good he's been uh, so far this year. So it was a good exercise for me, uh, but I'll move on to, I think the one that, that to me, and we've talked about him some too, is uh, Daniel Spino uh, was up at number 12 um, 
And while I uh, I don't have I don't have my specific list in front of me, I don't believe he was that high for me. Um, the fact that he was there means that uh, you know a lot of a lot of us a lot of my colleagues uh, had him that high. And while uh, I know you've spoken highly of uh, his arsenal um, and uh, mound presence and everything. Um, I guess I wasn't quite ready. I, I wasn't quite uh, ready to see him uh, be that high. That's just one that, that yeah. piques my interest that way. Yeah, I, I had him 15th on my own list, but I didn't have a pitcher until number 12. I had a pitcher, uh, Grayson yeah. Rodriguez, at, at, at my personal 12, then Yuri Perez at 14, and then Daniel Espino after that. And, and Yuri Perez got a lot of, uh, hype yeah. to get to the top, our, our top five. And I remember when, uh, Jeremy, uh, Deloney, who's been a guest and who will be a future guest on our episode, uh, when he sent us the cumulative list, I know that, uh, he had exclamation points by Yuri Perez. He was also surprised to see, yeah. uh, see him that high on this list. And, yeah. and just looking at his list too, I mean, he was in the teens as well. So that, that means some of our other writers were maybe a little higher on Yuri Perez. I, mm-hmm. I like Yuri Perez a lot. Um, yeah. Again, yeah, yeah. again, I'm really more and more becoming risk adverse when it comes to ranking pitchers high on my own list. And, and maybe, yeah. maybe it's because I've listened a little to uh, Jock Thompson, who was one of our guests as well. Um, yeah. You know, Jock is one of those guys that says when he lists, he didn't list this time, but when he lists, Fewer and fewer pitchers are making his top 50s or top 100s yeah. uh, because yeah. of the volatility. And if you look uh, at our list, Brent, um, just going down just at the pitchers, Yuri Perez at five, healthy. Grayson Rodriguez, seven, injured. Daniel yeah. Espino, 12, injured. Taj right. Bradley at 14, healthy. Uh, Kyle Harrison, healthy. But again, you're talking about a you know, guys that there's very good chance that like um, th- that the health might not necessarily be there come uh, even during the off season. You just never know. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't necessarily surprised that Espino uh, more so that Yuri Perez has yeah. jumped Grayson Rodriguez and jumped Daniel Espino. And maybe it's because of the health. Um, but I yeah. really, it's, I've been, it's hard pressed to find an evaluator, um, contact that I have that will say that, uh, Yuri Perez is ahead of Grayson Rodriguez on any list, even with Rodriguez out. Um, hopefully he comes back, but it, let's just say he's out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, as I'm thinking about it more, I think, uh, I also agree with you that maybe the biggest surprise for me is there, there were so many, pitchers up more more pitchers than i uh anticipated up kind of near the top because uh i pulled up my individual list here too and i had i had a couple in the in that top 10 15 range but i know as going through it i was uh also a little bit more uh you know adverse to putting putting pitchers up quite so high yeah um one of the Um, other one more point one more point before that also you know, looking at some of the pitchers on the list, there's there's some serious relief risk here too. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, Bobby Miller, who made our top fifty, um, a guy like Cade Cavalli, who doesn't seem to be able to throw his fastball for strikes this year. 
and uh, throw out another guy who has improved this year, D.L. Hall, uh, which you profiled earlier this year. is another pitcher yeah. who hasn't necessarily – hasn't really made a clearly defined role out of what he does. Um, there's still a lot of talk from contacts I've spoken to and from my own eyes that don't necessarily see him as a starter. So we potentially have three guys in our top 50, and I don't think we're the only ones I think that – if you look at some of our competitors in fantasy and you look at some of the more mainstream, not not for fantasy prospect lists, you see mm-hmm. more of these uh, guys with reliever risk creeping into their top 100 because their upsides are so great. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, and the game being moving that way, too, where those guys uh, can have value for their major league teams. Uh big value, even if they're not starting. One of the other things we uh, did as a part of this as is asked each of the, or asked a bunch of the writers about their risers uh, and fallers. And um, I'll just list, uh, we got, we got a half dozen or so in each category and uh, our, the risers, big risers uh, were Gunnar Henderson, uh, Yuri Perez, who you mentioned, uh, Ailey De La Cruz, Taj Bradley, Jackson, uh, Chirino, um, uh, Ricky Tiedemann, Rick, Ricky Tiedemann. I <laughs> had problems with the first name. I couldn't come up with it. Uh, and Pete Crow Armstrong. Is there any one of those guys that stands out to you as, uh, as a big riser, uh, or anything that you want to expand on any of them? Well, given that Peter, uh, Pete, Peter, <laughs> Pete Crow <laughs> Armstrong was hurt coming, uh, you know, last year with the torn shoulder yeah. labrum. And Nick Richards, one of our writers, uh, actually wrote up his uh, riser. But if I were to pick somebody, I would have picked him uh, if I had a choice of who to, who to write up. Uh, we had him ranked uh, 36, which, of course, he wasn't on our HQ uh, 100 in the offseason. So um, I think all of the things that he has shown. So when he got drafted, I, I firmly believe. Uh, and, and he went to the Mets, I think, with the 20th pick in the COVID draft in, in 2020. I believe if that season played out, he was a top 10 pick. And the reason for that is the few eyes that got onto him uh, in that season started to see a transition from a guy who was mostly a contact-oriented hitter who had bat speed but had a very linear swing plane to a guy who would all of a sudden – had discovered this aggressiveness and mind you still is able to work all fields like, like, like people saw in, in high school. However, yeah. uh, he started his uh, senior year in high school, driving the ball out to the pole side. And this has been kind of a beautiful, um, you know, uh, progression for him because it's started to, or it's continued to happen and it started to also include carry to the other fields. It's just not carry to the pole field anymore. So he's been in low A and high A. Um, his, uh, uh, power pretend, uh, his power projection has increased. Uh, and, and you kind of expect that in low A, uh, the Cubs affiliates in Myrtle Beach, which is close to sea level, obviously. Uh, so the ball doesn't tend to carry as much moving to the Midwest. Uh, I can see how that ISO uh, has increased, and that was something that Nick brought to the article as well. 
Um, I also think that he's a dynamic center fielder as well. He's a guy that's going to, to stay at the position. So now if you're projecting power, uh, you know, even above average power to plus power with him, with his yeah. entire skill set, with his ability to make contact, his ability to get on base, and also his ability to um, potentially steal bases, uh, a, a guy with plus run tool, um, mm-hmm. and and maybe maybe that slows down a bit as he gets a little older, but uh, I don't worry too much about that because he still has a very athletic body, even though it has put on some some bulk onto onto his frame. Uh, so he's my guy of this risers list. How about you, Brent? Yeah, the guy I wrote up was uh, Gunnar Henderson. And uh, obviously, he's up uh, near, very near the top of our uh, chart. And I think just the biggest thing is is just his, the quality contact that got so much better this year. Um, uh, he's making better swing decisions. Um, he just continues to excel kind of at every level. They've, uh, you know, as a, as a really young, uh, kid, as a 20 year old, they've really kind of, uh, just challenged him along the way. And he's, he's just met that every, every step. Um, what's interesting to me is when I saw him last year, uh, at high a Aberdeen, I, I was impressed, but not like blown away. Uh, the couple times that I saw him, um, but you could, you know, you noted certainly uh, the good instincts he had. Um, you could see he was kind of adjusting to pro ball and all that. But then, as you just see him kind of excel at every level, uh, and I got to see him again uh, once or twice during the regular season, and then also uh, the extended batting practice out the futures game. I mean, he, he is really. Uh, yeah, I mean the ball is just flying off his bat, and I think that um, just came away really uh, more impressed this year than ever um, by just both the both the improvements um, in that hard contact and uh, the ability to play on the left side of the infield, most likely at either at third or at short. Um, and I think that there's uh, you know the way the way they were handling kind of their last top prospect rushman. Um, you know, I think there's a chance that Henderson could even be, you know, on that opening day roster come next year. So uh, Gunnar Henderson was the one that I was uh, really uh, excited about to, to write up. Well, let's uh, cover some of the fallers, some of the guys that either fell in the rankings or fell off the list. Uh, Here's some names. The only baller that we wrote up that uh, still was on the list was Brennan Davis, the outfielder from the Cubs. We have Luis Matos, the outfielder from the Giants. Uh, Nick York, uh, second baseman from the Red Sox. Orvalis Martinez, third baseman from the Blue Jays. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, the shortstop from the Mets. Uh, Jordan uh, Groshen, uh, now an infielder from the Marlins, who we'll talk about a little bit later. And yeah. Austin Martin from the Twins. Uh, which one of these guys, um, you know, sticks out to you? Yeah, uh, Martin is the one that stuck out to me. Um, and I know he's been uh, he's been hurt more recently; hasn't uh, played for uh, the past several weeks. Um, but just the just the trajectory kind of of his uh, of his career so far. 
Um, you know, he was one of the kind of the safest bats in the, in that 2020 draft. Um, you know, the ultimate kind of, uh, defensive position was a little bit in question, but he moved around a lot. And so, uh, you know, I think we, many of us thought that that would be, um, he had played some infield, some shortstop, some center field. Um, but the big thing was his bat. I mean, the, the hit tool was, uh, lauded, uh, you know, almost universally as, as, uh, being there. Um, there were some, uh, you know, some questions at that point about his power development. Um, but, uh, he started out, you know, and I think I, I go back to kind of seeing him at the beginning, um, of 2021 last year, uh, in double A and came back with some questions about the swing plane and, you know, is he, is that power, how realistic is that power, uh, gonna be to ever come and be kind of a, um, you know, an important part of his game. The swing was, was, uh, more of an inside out swing. He used, uh, you know, went to the opposite field a lot. Um, but in my looks through, uh, through last year at a couple of places, didn't see a lot of kind of, you know, pull side power. And, uh, this year it's just, you know, we had some, I think we had some hope and we talked about, uh, when he got traded, um, in the, uh, Jose Barrios deal last year, uh, from the Blue Jays to the, to the twins, if possibly the twins could, uh, you know, a, a new org could kind of tweak and, and give him some new life there. And it just, uh, it just hasn't happened. Um, you know, the, the same concerns, uh, are there. He's running some. Um, and still making good contact, but, um, you know, just has not been hitting for extra base power, uh, at all. And, uh, you know, at 23, um, he's just, uh, doesn't have a lot of time. It seems like in the, in the growth curve to kind of, uh, possibly get back to where we were, to where we thought, uh, he would be. So he's definitely someone that, uh, dropped off our, list and um you know we'll keep an eye on but it's uh definitely uh been a rough two years for uh austin martin well my choice would be uh probably nick york i guess i did not realize how bad he was until uh compiling this list uh uh at, at the time he was a 231 hitter he's since had a series here in uh in Rome against Rome that I, I did not go to. Unfortunately, life got in the way of that. Uh, however, um, you know, really the big thing with him has been nagging injuries all year. Um, uh, and, uh, that, I mean, really that's, that's been the biggest issue. And I, I fully believe that his offensive struggles are tied to that particular issue. Um, he does hit the ground, hit the ball on the ground a little too much. And, um, of course, that's that's a difficult thing, but I, uh, I I was seeing a different player last fall, and if there's anybody on this list of guys that I feel can can recoup their value, it's probably going to be York. Uh, uh, we, you know, Luis Matos has always been a difficult evaluator evaluation for me. I don't know about you, Brent. Uh, I I've always seen his skill level kind of like a you know, average to above average tool set um, that mm -hmm. I think got heightened. By his uh, his league specifically, where he's played, I know that he has been been uh, uh, injured this year a little bit too. But um, again, like it was a 
there, there's just something there that never had me uh, fully believing in that. Uh, Brennan Davis last year had some struggles, uh, specifically against left-handed pitching, uh, and he's just had struggles and out with a back injury, which is always something to be very mindful yeah. for. Uh, Ronnie Mauriciano uh, swings at everything, swung at everything last year. Uh, I discounted him. I think you discounted him as well. Uh, yes, yeah. the tool shed looks great, but uh, dude doesn't walk. Uh, uh, Groshans has been injured for most of his life, it seems, as a professional <laughs> ball player. And then uh, Orvelis uh, Martinez got to better stuff and uh, has the, you know kind of the same thing with Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, uh, better stuff has uh, shown a very aggressive approach that uh, is uh, doing some damage to his uh, his overall profile. So like. All of these, all of these droppers, uh, all these guys that dropped off the list uh, are dropping off for good reason, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the the hesitancy is to kind of uh, not have the injury thing cloud it too much, um, which is the case, you know, which I which can can be the case, um, you know. Certainly, there were lots of people who were really high on Brandon Davis for sure. Um, and, but, uh, but I also understand, you know, a, a back injury, especially is, is troubling, uh, at that age. Um, and to think about that, um, but it's, uh, but yeah, it's, they're, they're all, um, uh, they're all ones that kind of need some sort of, uh, spark to kind of, uh, regain that value. Let's move on to, uh, talking about the trade deadline a little bit. Uh, as you said, it was just a wild one, as we all know. Uh, and and certainly, given the given the number of deals and uh, the number of MLB teams uh, kind of in the race, there were a lot of uh, a lot of prospects that um, that changed hands uh, in in these. And I know you put together uh, a couple of days after that, sort of ranked out the prospects from the trade season uh, in terms of fancy value and and. I think, you know, the feedback we have gotten in the past um, is that's a that's an amazing uh, resource, certainly for a lot of our subscribers um, to uh, to have to have that all these names uh, and all these different scouting reports and and reports kind of gathered and kind of ranked in importance. So uh, you did a great job on that. I know it's a I know it's a ton of work. Uh, it was that, we went thirty strong this year because uh, I I couldn't really find a good cutoff. Um, yeah, uh, and and uh, you know thirty strong on this article we haven't seen the likes of that for several years. Uh, so yeah. the the new trade deadline and the new compensation that's uh, put together on free agents in the off season made for an exciting and and also the the amount of playoff teams has yeah. made for an exciting uh, playoff deadline. Uh, our yeah. playoff deadline, yeah. trade deadline. Um, yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot first. What was your favorite deal? Well, i tell you what my favorite deal was, and this is going to be probably seen as a cop-out, but uh, it is what it is. After covering the Washington Nationals for, for many years, <laughs> uh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, and, and seeing that, uh, you know, let's say lack of depth in that organization, uh, I couldn't be happier with uh, at least the, the idea of all the uh, of all the good prospects they got back in the mega Soto deal, of course, um, 
I'm looking very much forward to, um, you know, to seeing and checking out uh, Robert Hassel and James Wood. Uh, I imagine CBA Abrams will be up along with uh, Gore here uh, at some point. Uh, and, and they're not they're, prospects they're, anyway. So. Right. They're major league players. And I'm very intrigued uh, uh, by the pitcher that they got, too, uh, from what I've heard um, in the, the uh, complex ball pitcher. And uh, so that has to be my favorite trade because um, just because of of knowing that I've got a couple years uh, of them coming up through uh, through the system here, uh, seeing them uh, at, at one of my home parks at Wellington, and I can get to Harrisburg for the Double A uh, team as well. And so that that definitely um, definitely was my favorite uh, in a, in a way that kind of reshaped. Uh, one organization specifically. Um, how about you? Which was your favorite? Uh, I actually, it's more of a favorite organization than a, uh, a deal. I really like the deals that the Cubs, uh, um, the the ones that they did. I mean, of course, they had some other players that were, um, you know, basically left uh, on their team this year uh, that looked like they were going to be traded. But I, I thought that the Hayden uh, Wisniewski deal, which I did talk about a little bit on our previous podcast, I thought that was a great deal. And I still, uh, you know, even uh, diving deeper into Wisniewski um, for this article, I really, really believe that's a big deal. But a really, really um, what we would call an under the radar deal was the uh, deal for Ben Brown, who's a pitcher that you saw last year. Uh, uh-huh. It's Ben Brown for uh, David Robertson, and uh, Brown's made tremendous strides this year. Um, I, we might talk about him a little bit later, uh, so I don't want to give too much away. Uh, but really and truly, it's one of those guys, and it's a, it's a similar guy in some respects to what they acquired last year with Caleb uh, Killian, a guy uh-huh. that uh, used a bunch of tunneling and a bunch of different, uh, you know, arm, uh, essentially throwing a two different fastballs out of that same tunnel, uh, throwing a slider out of that same tunnel, uh, and and doing that sort of thing. It's just that uh, Brown is more of a stuff guy where Killian's more of a finesse guy, as we've seen in his uh, brief uh, major league appearances. Um, But but I I like that deal a lot, Uh, and and I would say definitely would be my favorite deal uh, outside of that first deal with Wesneski. Brent, um, on the spot again, least favorite deal. I think even, I mean, we mentioned it last time. I think, I think I was surprised by the, by the A's return for the Frankie Montas. I know you said you like Walt Chuck a lot. Maybe it's just more than I did. Um, but with Medina and JP Sears, I was just after, after the Castillo deal, I just thought there would be more moving. Uh, back towards Oakland side of that. Mm-hmm. And I realized Montas has been, uh, you know, injury could have played into that. Um, and there's, you know, some other stuff going on. Um, but if I was, uh, if I was an A's fan, I just would have, uh, expected more coming back there than those three arms. I think, and I think maybe it's the, maybe it's the fact that there was those three arms and not any position players, just knowing, yeah. Uh, just knowing the attrition well, rate of that, and you know, I, I just uh, feel like getting a getting a position player back um, is is more 
is, is you, you know, you're setting yourself up for uh, better success um, than grabbing several pitching prospects. Yeah, I agree with that. And there was a position player in that deal, Cooper Bowman, uh, second base prospect. Uh, I think he's a utility, uh, utility upside type guy. So it's not necessarily uh, uh, somebody that you're really going to be uh, happy about, but it's it's a it's a guy that that the athletics seem to have had success with um, in their development system. They 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 do well with these types that look like grinder utility types uh, and turn them into um, to decent um, decent players in the major leagues. I I don't know if it's uh, in their water or if they're just kind of forced to yeah. do that. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. You can like players in a deal and and think that it's a bad deal, and I I agree with you. That's a bad deal. I I do like Waldachuk a little more than you do, uh, but still, it it can be a bad deal, uh, even if you like a player in it. And that that's a good segue for me, Brent, um, to get yeah. to this Juan Soto deal. Uh, while that was one of your favorite deals because it helped you, um, you know, you were <laughs> selfish about it uh, to I be able to write up. <laughs> yeah, to be able to write up some nationals. And, and it, you know, it's funny that they didn't, you know, really uh, participate in anything but the Juan Soto deal. Probably because all their stars are already gone. Uh, they, yeah. uh, I guess nobody wanted Patrick Corbin, which I don't blame them. Um, uh, but my thinking here is, again, uh, you're looking at a deal and, and uh, these big mega deals don't ever really turn out. Um, so I do like Robert Hassel. I do, I, I do like CJ Abrams. I'm a little whatever on with uh, Mackenzie Gore. Um, you know, I like this deal of James Wood and, uh, the pitcher, uh, Jarlin Susana, uh, both, um, kind of merge out of this deal. Uh, but I feel like they could have gotten a better return had they waited until the offseason. Um, I, I, I really truly believe that because at that point, I think teams have a better sense of where their prospects are after a full year of evaluation. I think that uh, I, I personally believe that that they could have gotten a better deal, even from the Padres. Uh, they could have gotten all of these players and maybe an upgrade somewhere. I don't know. Um, but it just I, I, I just don't buy this trade and and that's liking cj abrams a lot liking robert hassel the third a lot not necessarily mm -hmm. uh the biggest guy on james wood but somebody who likes him and and and, and also somebody who uh thinks that jarlin susana is the has the highest upside of anybody in this and it's just a matter of whether he can develop and and uh, to be honest the nationals aren't necessarily known for their <laughs> pitching development because yeah. we're going to have to see how this plays out. Um, hopefully it's not a one-sided deal, um, but it, it's going to be hard to overtake uh, Soto's work uh, to a franchise um, yeah. as a cornerstone player. And did you acquire a cornerstone player? And I, I maybe James Woods becomes that. Maybe James Woods is, is going to be um, the next, uh, Aaron Judge, uh, but a lefty, you know, similar height, uh, similar athleticism and that kind of thing. Um, but like, I haven't seen many, uh, Aaron Judges, uh, come along. So it's going to be, it's, it's, it's very interesting and we'll just have to wait and see with this deal. Um, yeah. your most surprising deal, Brent. 
I think the most surprising one for me was the uh, Rysal Iglesias to uh, Atlanta move. Just I didn't see that coming or didn't expect it um, uh, because they just recently signed him. Obviously, it was a big salary dump, um, but uh, the Angels just, you know, they keep on surprising, <laughs> I think. Uh, and and I don't know. I'm I'm curious to what your take is on the kind of the Tucker Davidson Jesse Chavez kind of return. I mean, again, that sort of seems light to me. Although I realize you know Atlanta's taken on uh, all that all the rest of the Iglesias contract, and it certainly makes sense for Atlanta. I mean, it doesn't it uh, it you know it ruins some kind of of, of our sort of fantasy teams uh, uh, plans. Uh, for those that that had Iglesias rostered as a as a closer um, for for this year anyway, uh, but it makes sense for makes sense for them with uh, Jansen leaving and such. But I just uh, yeah, I just was surprised by that that you that uh, that the Angels would turn around so quickly after signing Iglesias like that to move on from him. I you know covering the Angels. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I think this. I think I, I can see the Angels' rationale with this. Uh, you know, Tucker Davidson's a, a back end starter type. Uh, Jesse Chavez is just an older guy who good clubhouse presence. Who's pitched pretty well out of the pen the last few years. So, yeah. uh, you know, they, they are getting a little value. Uh, again, this is an organization that doesn't have many major league ready pitchers, and, and Tucker Davidson could be major league ready. Uh, especially if given a given a shot and not have to worry about getting called down or or anything like that. Um, but I think that the uh, Angels uh, uh, reviewed their signing of Iglesias and realized that uh, it's pretty much a sunk cost for the next three years. Uh, uh, if they don't believe that he can get back to form, maybe that's it. Um, I know that like. Overall, he's not been that bad, right? He hasn't. Um, but like, no. I don't think he has been the, his uh, normal uh, self, if that makes sense. And I think that there yeah. was some uh, indications uh, last year that that was not the case. Uh, unfortunately, Chris here um, picked him and uh, Luke and uh, Trevino. Um, from the athletics now Yankees set up man in his AL only tout league that he's in last place in. So wow. um, yeah, it, it's, it's not pretty with those saves because uh, that was one of the few categories I was doing decent in. So, uh, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll finish with like the worst season ever in AL touts for somebody who tried. Um, yeah. My about you? Surprised- yeah. Yeah, my most surprising deal uh, was probably the Joey Gallo deal. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't understand the Dodgers' rationale on that. I understand the Yankees' rationale, and I think the Yankees got a pretty good prospect uh, for what you would get for Joey Ball, uh, Joey Gallo, uh, which is uh, uh, Beater, the pitcher, um, who's mm-hmm. probably a reliever, uh, doesn't have that. Um, uh, you know, that upside to really be a starter. We're talking about Clayton Beater, who was a high draft pick out of college for them that we featured either in an article or on the podcast last year. I'm not, not 100% uh, sure. But he's a pitcher who throws the kitchen sink at batters. 
Uh, but he's always, uh, well, since his pro debut two years ago, he's struggled with strikes. Uh, and, and, you know, that's RP upside all the day, all day long. See something yeah. like that. So uh, I would say that was my most surprising deal, uh, um, that, that we didn't, uh, that you didn't already cover because really the Iglesias one was probably mine too. Um, so we're going to do some quick player analysis with a few guys. Um, nothing major. And, um, let's just kind of bounce both of, bounce these guys off of each other, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll go ahead and, uh, throw you the first one and we're going to throw you Jordan Groshen, uh, a player that you saw, uh, last year who went from the Blue Jays to the, um, to the Marlins in the Anthony Bass and Zach Pop deal. Right. Yeah. Groshen's, uh, as you kind of alluded to early, earlier, um, just has been hurt <laughs> uh, quite a lot um, since since being drafted in in uh, 2019. He had a foot injury at one point. Uh, of course, the pandemic uh, ruined the season. Um, had some other uh, had some other issues last year when he was at Double A. I did get to see him early in uh, in May last year, end of May, um, and and. Uh, you know, it's a tall kind of upright, right-handed stance, good size, sort of a leg kick, nothing, uh, nothing, uh, distinctive, uh, about his stance. Um, you know, maybe looks a little bit like Matt Chapman, uh, there in the box. I mean, the problem is, um, and as, as we, uh, mentioned also, you know, as him being in kind of our fallers for the top 50 is just, he's just had, uh, just had really problems making hard contact uh, and a lack of power this year for as far as we know um, he's healthy, um, but he has missed a bunch of time in the past. I mean, he's slugging under 300 uh, last time I looked, I think with one home run. Um, so Groshans was a, yeah, a top pick, a, a played, uh, came up as, as a shortstop. There was sort of uh that he would need to move to third, which uh, he has done now. I think he's moved around the infield a little bit. He's certainly someone that needs a change of scenery and uh, going to uh, Miami, you know, kind of hopefully uh, that will be the spark that he needs uh, yeah. to get back there. Uh, but currently uh, it is a kind of troubling profile. So, yeah, I was, uh, when I was um, analyzing him for the big article last week, uh, one of the things that really kind of stood out was his, uh, he didn't use his, uh, any leverage in his lower half to, to power his swing, which it was pretty much a, uh, all upper body swing that I was seeing. So like he was only able to really kind of, if he squared up the ball, it was linear swing plane. So there was no carry. It was depressing, but a lot of times, uh, a lot of times, like he didn't really make that hard contact. There's a bit of a bat wrap too that is uh, hindering his uh, reactions to pitches. So on fastballs, he tends to uh, take the ball the other way. Um, really, kind of a product of the swing more so, uh, or the swing uh, reaction than than his actual bat speed. But he doesn't use his lower half anymore, which uh, has always been troublesome with him. There's always been some power. Uh, some power concerns, uh, but like he, 
and especially being at AAA, it really made no sense why he was there. Um, yeah. uh, he's not super old. He's 22 still. Uh, why, why are you uh, trying to rush a guy who's spent more time on the injured list or, or off the field because of uh, the COVID season uh, than yeah. on it and is struggling? I don't understand that. So um, I'm going to pick a player as well. Um, Start with uh, Emmanuel Valdez, who's a second baseman from the Red Sox organization. He was in AAA and was having a great 2022 campaign. And I think if you were if you were um, scouting the the slash line, 327, 410, 606 uh, when he was traded with uh, 19 home runs split between the two levels. I think you were you know, probably higher than, than maybe I am. I had him ranked 16th here. Uh, I had another guy who was very similar to him, uh, Estery uh, Ruiz, ranked a little higher than him. I had him at 13. He went uh, from the Padres uh, to the Brewers and the Josh Hader deal. Uh, Manuel was in the Christian Vasquez deal. And, uh, you know, it, it's a uh, basketball skills uh, pretty much limit the uh, swings and misses. But he expands his own something fierce. And uh, he seemed to like just kind of, uh, he looked like he had improved just like Ruiz did. Um, but then when he faced better pitching, the true player uh, um, came out. Uh, when you're getting the 01 counts in AAA or facing better breakers, uh, you're more inclined to expand the zone as the bat goes on or at bat goes, uh, goes longer. And also, as the game grows longer, because then you get frustrated and you're like, oh, my God, are they going to throw me a, a strike on strike one? And then they don't. And you just, uh, you know, you squib it somewhere. So um, this is a guy, this is a poisonous guy um, for fantasy managers to see. And I think that most of the evaluators that I've read have cautioned people on this kid's approach. Uh but I, I figured it was uh, good to caution them a little more. Uh, I know that you have some – you've had Astros coverage in the past. Did you ever see Valdez? I, I doubt it, but um figured I'd ask. Yeah, no, I haven't uh, I haven't checked in on – or have been able to see him at all as far as I know. So, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a new name for me, but I think it's a good, uh, a good reminder, yeah, of, of especially seeing – Seeing those numbers uh, to get the kind of whole story, yeah. um, whole story behind them, so and and you can be excited for Ruiz because he has uh, that uh, unbelievable raw power skill and that unbelievable speed tool. So like you can find a pathway to a starting role even if you're super aggressive. Uh, and I mean, Luis Garcia has has done that with the Nationals. Uh, yeah, team, I know that they're a, a lesser team, but a super aggressive guy. Has, has essentially found his way in the lineup because he hits for a high batting average and, and can pop the ball every so often. So, like, that's why Ruiz was higher. And I actually had Ruiz ranked higher than Jordan Groshans, who, you know, has the history of being a top prospect. Uh, yeah. And Ruiz, you know, for fantasy is, is potentially somebody uh, that you don't want to ignore, even though he has the same issues as a Valdez. Um, yeah. Brent, um, I, I know that we, we have, we, by, by the way, everybody, we work with a list and sometimes players are not on the list. 
Uh, I'm going to throw one at you right now. A guy that you saw last year, uh, Ben Brown, who we talked about very briefly. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you, when you saw him last year, I'm sure he kind of looked like a different guy than he does now. Uh, what did you see last year? Yeah, last year I saw him uh, in high A at Jersey Shore um, in May. Um, just a, I mean, certainly a big guy, six six. Um, Lots of long arms and legs um, in the delivery, uh, alarm, a long kind of arm action. Um, his fastball that night was 92-94. Um, not really great command of it. He walked a bunch of guys. Uh, at that point, he was using a, uh, a curveball around 75 and uh, a changeup that uh, was used against lefties um around 86 and and through through a couple decent one of those uh several of those um and then the slider was 80 to 82 um certainly as a 33rd round pick um you know I, it was it was interesting because you know just the size alone um and the velocity and, and having the four pitches even though uh like i said the fastball command wasn't great and and the Secondaries didn't necessarily, none of them really popped. Um, it's just someone that you, uh, you know, that if you squinted, you could say, oh, possibly he'd get better at some point. Um, then uh, this year he returned to mm -hmm. uh, Jersey Shore and did just from the beginnings, uh, started striking out uh, tons of guys. Um, and I actually didn't get a chance to see him uh, this this year at all he had just been moved up to double a reading um and i was he was definitely going to be on my target list uh and then he got like as you said shipped out for uh david robertson yeah but i know uh i'm curious to what you have heard about the specific uh changes uh ben brown made this year uh it's kind of what uh you know led him to uh being able to be traded for a reliable reliever like robertson like earlier in the week, Ben Brown's name started coming up as a guy that the Phillies apparently weren't going to deal. Uh, and then all of a sudden they dealt him. Uh, so that's always good to hear when you hear a guy not going to get dealt. Uh, that isn't necessarily one of their top uh, three or four prospects. Uh, ben has completely changed the shape of his pitches. Uh, specifically, the four-seam fastball is now flattening out up in the zone, and it's kind of cashed in on some natural riding action. Uh, he's uh, apparently throwing a different slider. Because I looked at some of the slider video from last year to a slider video this year. It's a much harder, uh, much uh, sharper break, uh, late vertical drop uh, action, uh, yeah. potentially plus pitch. Uh, he's also throwing that... Uh, Two seam fastball with, uh, you know, kind of consider, you know, working off the tunneling of the four seamer and the two seamer because for a progression of the pitch, it looks like the same thing. Uh, and you know, it, it, it's still having the same issues with that change up. And he's having some issues throwing strikes as well. Uh, this is a guy that we, we ranked, uh, 18th, uh, uh, behind another guy who was having some issues with strikes, uh, who we covered on a previous uh, podcast, Levi South, uh, now the Reds from the Cardinals and the Luis Casillo deal. Um, but again, like, I, I, I like the, you know, this, this guy has a good, um, 6'6, 
good size, good fastball, good breaker, feel for spin. It's just a matter of maybe shorten up that delivery a little bit more and getting to uh, a good third pitch like a changeup. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, that's kind of uh, what I had heard too and what, you know, the analysis was afterwards. It's uh, because of those two, it's certainly kind of a reliever-ish risk there. Um, but uh, if he, if there's a way he can, the Cubs can help him develop a third pitch, they, uh, they, they might have something, uh, there as a, as a starter, but it's, uh, it's certainly one of the few, uh, you know, a big developmental win for the Phillies. It's a 33rd rounder. Uh, I believe before last year, he'd had some injury issues, uh, in his past. Um, and, uh, yeah, to be able to get him to that point. And certainly it is, it is good to, hear about the slider development because again when i saw him the slider was uh you know more in the kind of 80 82 range it was not necessarily what you call hard or sharp um and uh knowing knowing that that has developed certainly makes uh makes sense with the the success he has has had this year so as we wrap up uh let's see what uh what we'll be doing this week and what's on tap uh, Chris, what's uh, what do you have planned for this week? Well, I've got a great week of Reds prospect coverage. Um, and why I am excited to go see the same team that I've seen over <laughs> and over this year, it just keeps getting more exciting because of these deals. I'm still trying to run into Andrew Abbott. Um, would be really good left-handed pitcher pitched in the Futures game. Uh, would also, uh, you know, take another look at uh, Carson Spires. I saw him on a bad night. Uh, Levi Stout is there, who we just mentioned. Uh, of course, their big prospect, uh, Eli De La Cruz. Um, also, Christian Encarnacion Strand, who I think is uh, more power than hit and uh, likely a third baseman, uh, maybe a first baseman. Uh, don't really quite know. And Matt McLean is there too. So uh, some pretty significant prospect uh, guys there, and they will be facing uh, the Montgomery Biscuits, which is a first time for me this year. And another team that is uh, a team that I cover, uh, they're from the Rays organization. There's some very interesting arms there. Um, Nobody really I haven't covered before. Uh, maybe get another look at Mason Montgomery, the left-hander. Uh, catcher Blake Hunt is there. Uh, Greg Jones, who's had kind of a, a down year. Uh, some very just interesting prospects. Uh, not anybody that I would say top 100 eligible. Maybe maybe oh, um, um, Basabe, who we covered in our um, in our article earlier this year, our article in our episode earlier this year. Uh, so some interesting guys, but I'm really going for the home team for once, if that makes sense, Brent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you got on tap? Uh, I mentioned last week that uh, Hartford is in the area, and while I didn't get out to um, didn't get out to Reading last week, they're in Somerset, so I, I'm going to try to get up there at least once. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar is the infielder that's there. Um, as well as, uh, a couple other fringy, um, kind of bats. Uh, but I think Tovar is the main one. Um, all there certainly we'll also check in on, uh, Anthony Volpe and, 
and any of the other Somerset players. So looking uh, looking forward to to that this week on uh, heading up to see Somerset play uh, Hartford. As always, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of The Eyes Have It. Uh, it was a great episode. Thanks, uh, Chris, for all your insights as we went through um, kind of our uh, our top 50 midseason list as well as the uh, capsules on the traded prospects. Um, if anyone would like to, we'd like to have some listener questions for a future show. You can contact us uh, via email at theeyeshaveit at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. You can find Chris at C underscore blessing, and you can uh, contact me at Brent HQ. Remember to subscribe uh, to us and uh, please uh, give us a positive rating and review. It helps others find us and uh, spread the word. Great show, Chris. Till next week, have a great one. You too, Brent. Have a good week. <laughs>